Welcome everyone to the 300th episode of Dragon Talk! Yeah, like a siren going off. I don't know. Woo. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Look at that. 300 <laughs> episodes together and now we're talking alike. We have been talking alike for 300 episodes, Shelly. This is the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast, which was the original name of this podcast. That's why I say it. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, but yeah, we have been doing this together for 300 episodes. That's a long time because we don't do this daily. Right. We, we do these once a week. So you do the math because I can't. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and I started doing this in 2015. Uh, well, you guys invited me on to one interview. Uh, it was, I think, you and, and, and uh, uh, Ben Petrosor, who is still on the D&D team. What? Chris Dupuis. What? Uh, and... Trevor, kid, we're talking about um, a game. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think it was not Legend of Drist. It was one of the. It was one of the uh, encounter uh, system games uh, out there that was like, about Princes of the Apocalypse, I believe. Oh. And so I was sitting in on that, and that was the only appearance that I, I made. There was very like you were fanfare. sitting on that as an as an interviewer, or yeah, you were so also it was a you, guest. Yeah, me and Trevor were interviewing Chris, and uh, and 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 that was the first one. And then we did some math, figuring out when that happened. I didn't I didn't appear on every single one after that, but I pretty much became uh, more of a regular host uh, after that. And then things shifted, and we'll be talking a little bit more about the history of where Dragon Talk came from on our 300th special live episode on Friday. What? Those of you listening to this in real time will get this on uh, Friday at 11 a.m. June 11th. No, I'm sorry. We already no, did that. It. That's already over. <laughs> we already did that. Time travel is still something but we're grappling with. <laughs> you can still hear the recording. That's right. The VOD will be up on uh, D&D's YouTube channel as well as on Twitch. So watch all that. We're going into the depths of where Dragon Talk came from, and we'll be releasing it as a special bonus audio episode here on this RSS feed as well. And we'll even have some special guests, including somebody who lives in my house. Um, is it Pennywise? It is not Quinn. Although mm. he'll probably, let's be honest, he'll find a way to show up on here too. Um, but Bart Carroll was uh, a I know this is past, so we'll say he was a special guest, and it was yes. great. But Bart was really, he was the the person who started the podcast. So we'll hear uh, his thoughts and his vision initially. And, and if what we do now is anything close to what he once <laughs> thought this podcast would be. It has gone through Probably very not. many growths and changes, the addition of segments, uh, all that fun stuff. So... Uh, we have always, though, really been... Dragon Talk is really all about dr- talking to the community. And yes. the interview segments that we're, we, we do is uh, a big part of the show, obviously. And today, we are talking to someone who we think is perfect for this potty award-winning podcast, Dragon Talk. It is Aaron Reynolds, the author yes. of Fart Quest. Yes. I mean, how perfect is this? These He's are a uh, New York Times bestselling author. Right. 
I feel like once you get that uh, status, it should be part of your name anytime you're brought up. New York Aaron, Times New York bestselling Times author Aaron, did you want some more pasta? I mean, it just should be. <laughs> it's just how you should be addressed. Here at the Olive Garden, <laughs> your family, <laughs> so you get the endless pasta bestselling <laughs> author Aaron Reynolds. Um, uh, it's great stuff. It's a young adult novels uh, that are a great blend of D and D heroic storytelling with fart jokes and yes. potty humor that appeals to so many different ages, both young Including and old. Me. I will say, especially us two. Um, they are wonderful books. Read the first one with Quinn, and uh, we adore it. Both of us just giggled and laughed the whole way through. But they're actually really touching. As well, mm-hmm. so you will laugh and you will see a lot of D and D references. But even if you don't know anything about D and D, people will still enjoy those books. But for those of us that do love D and D, there's a lot of extra special Easter eggs in there for us to appreciate. Awesome stuff. So. And then we have an insight check later on with Trish Yokum, who is a yes. graphic designer on the D and D team. Uh, I don't think you're all ready for Trish. Lots of great stuff uh, that you'll learn from uh, her and her work that you may not see when you open up every D and D book that's out there. Um, so we're we're gonna hopefully learn something about ourselves and the products that we love here. Uh, yes. And speaking of which, gosh, I feel like we we got so much stuff here. But week of legend lore oh was just God. last week. We announced so many fun things, including. The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, the new storyline coming from D&D. Two covers coming from that. One, uh, the standard cover by Tyler Jacobson and a alternate cover by Hydro 74 that's only available through game stores coming on September 21st. Who boy, this is going to be a great adventure. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, wait until you uh, learn more about that. At D&D Live 2021. Uh, so. which is going to be July 16th and 17th on G4 TV in addition to many other ways to watch. Uh, so yeah, we were we, we gave you the top line of what's going to be in that adventure, the covers, but there's going to be so much more information oh coming gosh. in July. Don't you wait. What Don't else you wait. did we? Uh, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. We announced another thing. What's another yeah. thing we announced? We announced another D&D book coming Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos. There are many curriculum of chaoses out there, but this one's my favorite. Um, this could be. Oh shoot! I was gonna say we haven't announced that. Okay, nope. Can't tell you that. Can't tell you that. Can't tell you that. Can't tell you that until D and D Live. But just trust us on this. There's a lot to love about this book. For sure. Uh, it's based on the Magic the Gathering plane of Strixhaven, which is all about a magical school uh, with different colleges that you can be a part of. Uh, and so the Unearthed Arcana that we released last week has a wonderful playtest document that has so much uh, about choosing one of these colleges uh, to be as a subclass. Uh, so if you're interested in some of the mechanics that's going to be in Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, Download that UA right now and Mm -hmm. uh, start fiddling around with it and let us know what you think Uh, because that feedback is very, very important for how we create our books. And that book is not coming until November 16th. Uh, So you've got some time. uh, Two covers for that one as well. Yes. 
What else did we uh, talk about in the D&D week of legend lore? Celebration. D&D Celebration. Uh, that's also coming back in September, September 23rd through the 26th. Wow, I really should have looked that up before that I right. said it. But I think that's right. That sounds right, yeah. Lots of great uh, stuff in that event. It is an online convention where we'll have tons of panels and online uh, play for Dungeons & Dragons as well as uh, some wonderful programming going on the entire weekend. More details to come about that. But there's one really exciting thing that we wanted to get the word out about this first. And Shelly... What do you tell us about the DM's challenge? Oh my gosh. The DM challenge is coming. So are you a dungeon master? And are you um, competitive? Yep. (laughs) Maybe you would like to enter the first ever dungeon master challenge, which is going to be a weekly series of competitions that will be kicking off soon um, and leading up to D&D Celebration where... The winner will be crowned the Dungeon Master Champion. Champion. Yeah. So um, think of it kind of like a Top Chef for Dungeon Masters. So weekly challenges, sadly weekly eliminations as well until we get down to our finals, our finalists. Um, and again, you can follow this along even if you're not participating yourself in the competition, but you will have plenty of opportunity to follow along weekly, see what those challenges are, see what the com- the competitors have um, put forth for the judging, and um, ex- see who ends up being crowned our-, our champion. It's going to be very, very exciting. And the um, competition is actually going to open this weekend. So make sure that you are following D&D on social, go to um, the D&D website for more information about that, see how to enter, where um, it's okay to enter. There's there's going to be places where maybe you cannot enter for various reasons, but all of that will be laid out before you, and we are very excited to see who has what it takes to become the master dungeon master. I just so cool. made that up. I don't the really master know if that's master dungeon what... master. I, we got to workshop that a little bit. But yeah. June 17th is when those submissions will open and it's going to be a short window so you got to uh, submit quickly if you want yeah. to be uh, You don't get a lot of time. Uh, a part of uh, the DM's challenge because we want to make sure we get all those submissions and then start uh, these weekly challenges and it's going to be super fun. I can't wait. I've always wanted to do this type of uh, contest uh where uh, people get prompts and get to do some fun dungeon mastery type thing so it's gonna be it's gonna be super fun i can't wait to 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 watch along with everyone else i wish you could enter i know we can't though it's a pretty sweet prize pack too what if my friend bleeg taito uh, Mm -hmm. wants to wants to enter i mean uh as long as you and and bleeg can be in the same place at the same time we will allow it. Challenge accepted. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we also are getting really excited for Dark Alliance to come out on June 22nd. You may have seen in our Week of Legend lore roundup that there is a new gameplay trailer. It's four and a half minutes long, but it is narrated by Jemaine Clement, one of my favorite performers. He makes me laugh, and the vocal performance he gives for this trailer is uh, pretty darn good. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on YouTube. Get hyped for uh, bashing monsters with your friends, uh, playing as one of the companions of the hall, Drist, Doorden, 
Brunor, Battlehammer, Caddybree, or Wolfgar, and they all have really distinct fun things that they get to do while bashing Verbeeg and goblins and even some white dragons out there. So check it out. That video is uh, getting me hyped for the game and uh, getting everyone excited to journey into Icewind Dale yes. to kill some monsters. Very cool. Gosh, there was a lot happening last week. Yeah. And we didn't really even talk about how great it was to work with Erica Fermina as uh, Eliwick Tumblestrom. Todd Krenrick made these amazing videos starring yes. uh, Eliwick. And they was, that was a really fun project to put together. All these, these in-world uh, monologues uh, from Eliwick. And you'll see her in the Wild Beyond the Wishlight storyline as well as in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms Magic the Gathering set that's coming in July, July 22nd. Uh, I believe that is for the first time Dungeons and Dragons characters, monsters, and mechanics-ish in a Magic the Gathering set that's fully legal. We spoiled two of those amazing cards uh, during our Dungeons and Dragons live, our D&D, <laughs> our Dragon Talk live uh, performance. Uh, but you can look for more information on those and everything that's coming for uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms very soon. And also... Um our uh, our pride campaign is is going on now, um, where you can get uh, t shirts from Magic or D anD D or tank tops or messenger bags or lots of cool things with the uh, new pride design. Um, to get those, you want to go to mtgproshop.com slash pride. And I was checking it out earlier today, and I saw a note from the vendor, and they said, "Oh my god, the response has been so." overwhelming to mm. this campaign um, that they're, you know, going as fast as they can to get everything printed. So again, our community is amazing. All of the profits for this go to support an organization called the Lambert House, which is um, an org that supports building community for LGBTQIA youth. So it is a wonderful um, a, a wonderful organization to support. We support them. We've supported them for a few years now and as usual our community totally comes through so get your pride gear and uh do good and if you haven't already check out the uh lambert house pride special that our friends at penny arcade uh created with uh kate welch as dungeon master uh tristan falcone as walnut dankgrass and uh uh, Anthony Rapp was in it. Uh, Jeremy Crawford. Uh, Jeremy Crawford, <laughs> Omega, uh, AJ Lamarck. Uh, so many wonderful folks um, all wearing their D&D Pride gear, and uh, it was a tour de force. So check it out, um, and hopefully spread the word about how to support uh, the Lambert House uh, this year for our Pride campaign. Good stuff there. Yay. And last but not least, uh, those of us in... France, Italy, Germany, and Spain on the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, we definitely have some great news coming for translations and localizations of our core rule books and the Essentials Kit for those four languages coming out in September, September 24th, 2021. And we're really excited about bringing more fans from those countries able to read and play Dungeons & Dragons in their uh, native language. It's just opening the doors up to even more folks playing D&D, and that's what it's all about. Yes. Good Sweet. stuff there. Big all right, week. Well, let's, big week of legend lore. Big week. We had to talk about a lot. It was a week of legend lore, so watch all those videos that we created with Elliot Tumblestrom. Get in the vein of the Feywild. 
and let's talk to Trish Yoakum and learn a little bit about whether or not she's on the up and up with insight. <laughs> Everyone, let's welcome Trish Yoakum to Insight Check. And we are rolling this to find out in this segment everything about her and what she does. I got a 17 on the die. You must uh, reveal all. Exactly. So my wisdom is pretty pretty high of a modifier. So Trish, welcome. I just had a moment of um, from the Goonies where they tell him he has to say everything. And the kid's like, I did this and I did this. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what this segment's all about. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Watched that not that long ago. Did you? For like the 1100th time, but yeah. (laughs) Tell me not for the first time, right? I would have been been a little disappointed in Shelly. (laughs) You want to get disappointed in me? Um, Because I... (gasps) I've seen parts of the Goonies, but I, I, I have I not seen it all the way gonna through. going to bring it up. Oh, my gosh. A recent uh, discovery about Greg Tito that was absolutely shocking. Greg, it is worth, <laughs> it is worth the time. <laughs> yeah, and it's from, you know, the Pacific Northwest, right? Isn't that where the house mm-hmm. is in Astoria, Oregon? Astoria, yeah. Oregon. Yes, yep. that, that's mm-hmm. why I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Pacific Northwest. I knew I would end up out here one day because... That movie meant so much to me as a kid, and I loved Astoria. So. I know, and then you actually go there, and the weather is so rainy almost all the time. Very misty. But I'm like, oh. It, it, that's and how it looked in the movie. It is. It's totally how it looked. You can even go visit the house that's yes. still there. Been there, done but, that. Yeah, we drive through there at least once a year when we go either down to Seaside or uh, Lincoln City and stuff in Oregon. So drive through. <laughs> Are you a are you a native to the Pacific Northwest? Yes, I am. Wow. I grew up in a tiny little town that's not so tiny anymore, Graham, Washington. Mm. So I grew up out here. I lived on the East Coast for a little while, um, but it was you know like four or five years when I was young. We lived in Derry, New Hampshire for a while because my dad's job oh. took him out there. But my dad's from the East Coast, so half of my family is in. Connecticut, New York State, Vermont. So you're by coastal grounds. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so now that you're here in beautiful uh, Seattle area, Washington, and working at Wizards of the Coast, what what exactly is it that you do, Trish? <laughs> I mean, I know the answer to that, just FYI. Graphic design. <laughs> So much more. Um, than mostly, that. I'm working on books, so doing book layout, and that's that's really fun. I enjoy it greatly. So, coming from working on packaging for so many years, it was nice to get into like long documents and really have a project that you just work on, you know, continuously. It's very it's very fulfilling when you get done with a 200 and some odd page book, and you're like, wow. Look at that. That's the last two months of my life. But <laughs> right. so, 
Yes. And, and I'm surprised that it's only two months, actually. Right, because that does take a long time, right? And so that and that's yeah. and that's part of what this is all about, is trying to figure out like what does that mean, layout? Does that mean moving every word and 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 image on each page of the of the D D books that people get? It means coming up with so like I come up with um the way that I want a chapter start to look. So any treatments on the beginning of a chapter as you lead in, all of those um like the textures in the backgrounds of the book for the paper and all those little graphic tidbits that are throughout. Those are all things that we create to put a book together. So it's, it's really funny. Cause I remember for a while, my parents used to tell people that I did the drawings for things <laughs> when I worked on like magic and TNT and I'm like, Oh no, no, no. They save that for the really talented people. <laughs> I'm like, I get to take those and then I get to play with that stuff. That's what I do. <laughs> You're also a very talented person, though. Let's be honest. Those books, our books are beautiful. And doing layout on a book, it's that's like it's actually a huge job. I've yeah. seen you. I've seen you tinkering around <laughs> in front of your computer screen. I know. Creating all of your little things. I am definitely the person who loves layers. So many layers. Yes. So like working in Photoshop, it's Tristan has, who's one of our other graphic designers has opened my things and they will be like, you have, you have so many layers. It's like, I know. So like an onion. Exactly. It's like, that's how you get all that texture, all that buildup. It's just light, light layers of things over and over and over again. And one of the things that I love that I've noticed that you do recently was your kind of like mood boards for, Aww. for books. Like it's there, it's just such a cool way. I think a visual way to learn about that book and that story, just by looking at the colors that you're choosing, the textures that you're choosing, like some different design elements that will, I almost spoiled something. So I'm maybe going to stop talking. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just, it's really cool to like, see like, your thought process behind why a book looks the way that it does. Yeah. Well, I mean, one that we can talk about that we did last year. So um, when we did Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, that one with all the icy textures and everything, I was immediately like, Ooh, that sounds awesome. And I'm like surfing through pictures of ice in, you know, Antarctica and, Iceland and just all these different, it's like, how does ice overlay? What are the different layers to it? Does it look like a web? Does it look like bubbles? You know, how does it shine and how can you use those elements? And so took that inspiration and made all of the like icy elements to go with it. So it's, yeah, it's really fun. And it's fun to do mood boards. Cause like Shelly said, I put those together. I don't know if everybody else does that. I know Emmy doesn't. But I know that I do it because it's kind of like a jump off place. So after I start designing on something, I will go back to it and refer to it. <laughs> That's right. That's what Puppy <laughs> says. He's like, yes, woof, woof. He's a big fan of graphic designers. Yeah. <laughs> of paper. Does talented. he like to rip up paper? <laughs> he would. He likes. He he does like to just curl up with a book. And just oh hey, paw through it. And you um, say, oh yeah, go ahead, Joey. No, no, go. 
I was just going to say that mood board thing is such a, a, a great way to think about how D&D books have changed over the years. I mean, you know, obviously mm-hmm. going back to the early, early days, it was just text on a page with a, with, a, with a, you know, a line drawing here and there. And then they progressed over time with more and more graphic elements added to it. But I think that fifth edition, the work that you're doing now with, 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 with Frostmaiden, like people, and it's one of those things that people don't realize the work and effort that goes into get that mood when you're opening the book. And those mood boards are something I didn't even really consider because, I mean, that reminds me of like interior design and how people do like swatches on the walls when they're kind of thinking yeah, about like exactly. what they're going to do. And you're doing that, but for the interior of a book. And that's so interesting. Yeah. It's kind of um, like another one that we did was for Eberron. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy Crawford had said, you know, I really want this to be kind of steampunky, but not super steampunk. And I want it to have this old timey feel. And that's where we came up with, he said, I want it, you know, we're going to do these newspaper articles and I want them to look like newspaper articles, like from the twenties. And so I just went and started pulling different images, different fonts. And so like, those are things that went on the mood board. It's like, here's this art deco poster that I really like. Here's this art deco typeface that I really liked. And then picking colors that went with it to kind of put through the book. And then it's like all of those things, it's definitely, I like it. Cause I do, I go back to it all the time. It's like, and I save those because sometimes when I get to a new book and I'm thinking, I don't really know what to do with this one. It's like, how do you make this one new and look different? And so it's good to open those up again and go, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Cause I want it to look fresh. So I like that too. For sure. That's super cool. Um, so one of the things that I don't, I don't know that our listeners would be aware of, but I think it's pretty darn cool is that you are also the visual brains behind dungeon mayhem. Yeah. You created that like whole cloth from the beginning, the whole look and feel of those cards, the fronts and the backs and the packaging and everything was you, all you. I loved so. that. That was that was definitely like a passion project once I started it. And then when we remember when we were doing like expansions. Yes. And I remember uh Shauna was saying, she's like, well, we could probably, you know, we could probably get somebody to do that. And then you can focus on this. I'm like, well, but no, but I, yeah. but I, but I want to do that. <laughs> I want to give that up. Exactly. So I was like, can, can I keep it? Can I, <laughs> can I keep did. working? Did you, you kept it? That was, I kept it through the, um, the big box set that we yep. did the monsters. Yep. And then that next set we did send out. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those where it's, it's fun to see an evolution of a product too. So definitely. Yeah. But yeah. That's, I mean, that's pretty cool to just like something that's absolutely brand new that has never existed before that you have set the whole tone for that. And it's, yeah. it's so beautiful. I just love and the it. components for it are so like, again, that's a thing that people don't even realize, even that you worked on it, but that they have to have this great consistency mm-hmm. and usefulness to them. Right. And you worked on all of that. Yeah. I think the the most challenging part with those was doing the icons yeah. for all the powers that you can do and trying to come up with different things in a quarter inch space that have yeah. detail and look different. Yeah. And, and, and representative of the yes. very random power that 
it, it is. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, I still, I think I kept all of those, like all the sketches that went into those. And it's, there's so many people that sketch so much better than I do. So I'd be like, Hey, Emmy, come here. I was like, I kind of want to do this and this and this. And we would sit and go back and forth with some different things. And so, and then like, when we got to the monster set, I had some ideas of things that I wanted and I was like, oh, this is going to take me forever. And so I hit up Richard and I was like, Hey Richard, you want to, you want to do some sketches for me? And he came back with, like I said, I just want like one or two for, you know, these six different things. And he came back with like six different options for every one of them. He's like, oh, I did them last night. They were so fun. And they were just little pencil sketches. And then I just took those and kind of finessed them a little bit into little vector icons. And, but yeah, it was, that was fun. It was a challenge. And it's one of those where you're like, is this really going to work? You know, you're putting all this time into it. And then when it's finally done and it's all together, it's like, ah, okay. I like that. Yeah. And at the time when you were doing the first one, we we had thought about it being a product line, but Mm -hmm. we weren't sure that that was going to happen. So you kind of have to always keep that in the back of your mind. Like what? what's the evolution of this going to look like if there is an expansion and yeah, if the expansion is this size or this size. So we really, we mixed it up a lot with that one, but yeah, mm-hmm. the whole look was always very consistent. And I think one of the things yeah. I love that I see you do all the time is like these really thoughtful little touches. Like when you open the lip of the card box for Dungeon Mayhem, oh. there's like a secret, like there'll be a, a goblin or there'll be an ampersand or like something like you always go the extra mile and like put these little flourishes in places that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be. It's just, it's always just real classy, you know, it's <laughs> like, you. it's like a stamp that's like Trish was here. <laughs> it's yeah. a little Easter egg, but in yeah. non-digital form it's in. <laughs> Yeah. So just, you know, when you're looking at our books and the packaging and card sets and stuff, just look around for those little touches because that was probably Trish that put it there. (laughs) Do you remember when it's it's fun to put things out? It's it's fun to be excited about something. It's more fun to see people play it and to see other people. It's like we had like family friends who were like, oh, my gosh, we love that game. And so every time we had one release, I was like, I have something for you, you know, and I'd bring them one because I'd use my product points and get them a sample. <laughs> You're like, here, I've got and one. I know. And they were just like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like, it's it's so much fun to be doing something that makes somebody else happy, you know, just something that's fun to do. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about D&D is it's like the the pleasure that comes with putting something together and that just is a great feeling when it's all finished and you like the way it looks, but then there's that second level where it's those people who are taking that and coming up with these amazing, you know, campaigns to play and off of that. And it's like, they get such joy out of playing. I don't, you can't beat that. How could you beat having a job where you get to do that? You know, I, know. I don't think you can. <laughs> right. And I love what it I is. love about what we're talking about here. It's all stuff that may be invisible to some consumers, right? Like they, they, they see it and they will feel it, but they won't know that like, 
someone had to make those choices. Someone had to spend time sketching those little, you know, uh, symbols. Because if you do it right, which you guys awesomely did with with Dungeon Mayhem as well as as, as the graphic design for the books, it's it's an it's it's not something that you note. It's just a feeling. It's like a it's like a score to a movie. It, the best scores are ones you don't necessarily notice all the time, and you don't necessarily notice all the little touches uh, the, of visual information. Um, yeah. But it's all there, and I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I'm really glad we're doing this because now people will be like, "Oh, that was Trish." <laughs> it's yes. funny because um, my husband, who also works at Wizards, there are times where I'm like, "There's this thing," and I'm, you know, futzing with something back and forth, and he finally just goes, "You realize you're the only person who's going to notice this." <laughs> And I'm like, no, you, you bite your tongue. There are other people who will notice this. <laughs> like I mean, fish. if they score high enough on their inside checks, they might. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I got a four. So I guess I won't notice it, but I'll feel it still. You'll know it's there. And hopefully everyone listening here will know that, uh, you know, the amazing work, uh, uh, talented work that you put into it, as well as uh, knowing that you're a good person and just wants to spread joy and love through these products, like you were saying before. So great. You're a good person, Trish. Oh, gee. Really nice. Really nice. Well, thanks for. I I will make sure my parents listen and so they hear that. No. And then they'll finally know what you do. It'll be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That will still just be a whole nother. Oh, there's there's people out in my parents' orbit that think I invented Dungeons and Dragons. Like they have no clue. Like she knows she makes the she makes the game. She makes the you game. rolled one. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They don't get it as much. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, awesome. I'm glad we were here to educate some of those folks who are listening, and uh, that they get to you know uh, see a little bit of the amazing stuff behind Trish Yoakum's work oh, on D and D. Wouldn't be the same without you. No, it would not. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Trish. <laughs> yeah. It's good to talk to you guys. Thanks for letting me chit-chat for a bit. <laughs> and now you got to get working on the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> that is definitely, it's it's coming. You guys just wait. It's- I've seen the mood board. Woo! <laughs> I'm like, we've already gotten, you know, like the the cover samples back so we could see how printing went and... So, yeah, I'm excited. That's a good one. It's fun. It's fun when you get to, it's like every single book that I get to, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite one so far. (laughs) It's like, this is my favorite one so far. (laughs) It's kind of a nice counterpoint to Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. It's like moody and dark and gothic-y, and it's like butterflies and clowns. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, clowns kind of follow with... (laughs) That's true. That's true. It's a clown with a with a red balloon. You go back to Van Richten's. Get out of here. Get out of here. Not on the up and up. Mm-mm. I didn't believe a word she said. Nope. nope. I don't even believe she does all of those things that she said she does. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> not true, I mean, not true. If we had let her, she would have been like, oh, I don't do any. I, it's just I'm part of a team and we're all great. Everybody no, does cooler stuff. No, Trish. You're dunking on all of us with yeah. your badassery. She's amazing. And I am really, I like doing this segment because I do, as we like to do with our community in general, lift people up so Mm -hmm. other people can see the great work that they do and share all of that. So we get to do that for our coworkers too and just give, lift them up and and let you all know the work that they do is, and it's being done by some really nice humans. So it's good stuff. You know what lifts me up? What? Farts. 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 (laughs) So Um, let's go and talk to our newest friend who loves farts, Aaron Reynolds. Let's give give him a ring. Everyone, let's welcome Aaron Reynolds to Dragon Talk. Yay! Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. The studio audience goes wild for you. You Amazing. you actually legitimately did have a studio audience because Quinn was in here, I will That's say. That's true. That's true. That's a true. minute ago professing his very shy love of of your books. Yeah. Of and one in particular. And and, and yes, and his love of farting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you really know your audience, Mr. Aaron Reynolds. <laughs> Well, I, I figured, okay, if I could write a D and D for for the next a D and D book for the next generation, um, for fifth, sixth, seventh graders now, you know, farts is an easy inroad. I didn't want to write a book oh. about farts, but when uh, my editor and I started talking about what about a D and D book that also had potty humor in it, I was like, oh yeah, 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 I'm there, I'm 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 there for that. I was actually, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, okay. about like how how you pitched this book to yeah. an editor or an agent or whoever, like, I want to write a book about D&D and farts, or yeah. I want to write about a book about D&D, and then the, the farts came later, like, what, and, and were they totally on board with this idea, or did you have to sell them on it? It was kind of actually a weird process and a little unusual uh, of a process because... Uh, my editor at Macmillan, Connie, um, she's fantastic and highly collaborative. And so um, unlike many of my projects where I bring a story to them or I pitch it to them, um, she was like, let's have a brainstorm meeting. Let's like talk about what our next book together is going to be. So I loved that. And uh, and so we, she was saying, I'll just tell you a few things that our teams have been talking about. And you can tell me things, ideas that you've got cooking. And they had been talking about... Uh, like a new potty humor book. Like, um, wouldn't you love to be in those corporate meetings? Like, we need a new potty humor book, right? (laughs) But they wanted to do like a, you know, like a, like a Captain Underpants for the next generation or something, you know? I mean, they were really, they were like, there hasn't been a really good potty humor book in a while. Um, And I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I I, I like a poop joke. I'm down for a fart joke. Um, But I wasn't sure I was excited to do a full-blown book about farts and poops and da, 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 da. so i was like all right tucked away tucked away let's see what else we got what and as we talked um i think it was that meeting that i discovered that connie plays D. Wow. and i mean that's as, why she was collaborative yes exactly as so <laughs> many great moments happen when you discover that um the person you're talking to plays D, it all clicks together 
So we, I of course played D and D from way, way back, and uh, we started talking, geeking out about D and D. My agent is sitting in this meeting, going, "What are you guys talking about? You guys are so <laughs> weird." Um, and we, she was like, "I would love to do like an epic fantasy, old school D and D style adventure book." And I'm like, "Okay, what if we took your original idea of potty humor and we took it and we combined it with?" Uh, the epic old school fantasy humor book and we and we could call it i don't know and then we both said it at the exact same time no way fart quest are you serious and, yes yes wow. it was right there yeah and uh it was right there it was uh we were both that's really synergy that it was. that's what that's called marketing buzzword for you yeah exactly that's amazing well shout was out awesome. to connie for making this happen no kidding yeah no Good doubt. Job, connie that's right that's right it says um, at the beginning of the book. I said, I said there at the um, this quest would have never started without you because that's true. She is oh, to the silent but yeah. deadly Connie Sue, the wisdom of a monk, the strength of a warrior, the intelligence of a mage. This quest would have never started without you. Oh, Aww. that's really sweet. And it does say right on the cover, a silent but deadly adventure. That's right. Um, there is a lot of the 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 poop and fart references, which I appreciate because I love a good pun. And I also am a big fan of farts and poop. So, which is um, unusual really... in a mom, you know. <laughs> it, it does, I mean, I tell yeah. the parents when when librarians or the parents come up to me and and they're like, "Fart book, really?" I'm like, "Just give it a chance. Just read it." Because I didn't want to write just a farty poopy book. Yeah. I wanted to write a story with heart. And my my feeling is that this story does, and the series does it have does. a ton of heart and ton of heart. Heart and farts. Personal growth. I know, so, I yeah, I say, but they rhyme. just give it a chance because behind the heart, there's a whole lot. Behind the fart, there's a whole lot of heart. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> is see? that a tagline? It's that so you good. Use too? Yeah, um, it's true. I don't know if I, I got. I honestly, I don't remember how Fart Quest came to me. Uh, I don't remember if it was recommended or I discovered it or I don't remember the how. But I remember all I know is that I was so excited to get it. And tore open the box and read it to Quinn that night. And it was like four words in. Quinn goes, Mom, I, I think this is a D&D book. And I'm like, well, it's, yeah, it's like, it feels like D&D. It's fantasy, of course. Like, you know, there's, it definitely has D&D essence. And then maybe four more words. He goes, Mom, I think this guy is a D&D player. And then, so I just like flipped to the back of the book. To read your bio, and right in your bio, it says, as a longtime dungeon master and lover of Dungeons and Dragons, Aaron is no stranger to epic quests. So I'm like, good, good, good thinking there, Quinn. Good, good perception check. Yeah. Um, or insight. <laughs> so exactly. So then that just made us love the book even more. But yes. it it really does feel um it's like a love letter to D D. Include there's even a character named Master Elmore. Is that of a course, nod to? That's a nod to Larry Elmore. Yes, Aww. yes. I, they're nods to. All right, so I, I should preface this by saying my love of D and D goes way back. Uh, <laughs> like it, I mean, I mean, these so are here. these are not only um, you know books Whoa. from back in the day. These oh are my, my books from back in the day. These wow. these oh, are my fifth grade D and D books back when oh I I got this monster manual. The, the Christmas, I'll never forget it, the Christmas of 81. 
um, the sum at the Christmas after the summer that I discovered Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, so my love goes way back of D&D. And so for those that have high perception checks, they, they, you will see little, very subtle nods to things like Elmore, uh, Larry er Elmore, and little nods to the Caves of Chaos, and little nods to uh, Tomb of Horrors, uh, and some of the old classic stuff that I grew up on that literally changed my life. and made it okay for me to have a big imagination, which up to that point I thought was just this thing that got me into trouble a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. those days, as well as yeah. fart jokes, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with a health, healthy <laughs> smattering of those. Uh, so yeah, what, t tell us a little bit about the, the characters in Fart Quest, because I think that's always the best part of, of any epic quest, is like the people who go on, on this adventure, and, and, and hopefully some, some parents out there listening, or your kids listening, uh, can identify with some of those characters. Yeah, it. Um, I wanted it, you know, like you said, it's a love letter to D&D, &D, but I wanted it to be accessible to kids that wouldn't know D&D &D or even more so accessible for parents who love D&D &D, um, and uh, looking for an easy road to get their kids in. So uh, it has three main characters. And for those, of, I think this is on video too, right? So we're, yeah. I, I can show things and that's okay. If you're listening to podcasts, then sorry. Uh, I'm showing the book cover right now. You can describe but, it with your Dungeon yeah, Master it's, voice. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you enter a dungeon and you see before you three amazing characters. Uh, <laughs> one is Fart. Uh, his real name is Bartok, um, but nobody calls him Bartok. He dreams one day of being Bartok the Brilliant, um, but nobody calls him Bartok. His nickname is Fart. And uh, how he gets that nickname, you'll have to read the book to find out. But it has to do with um, a very special day called his spell picking day. And the very first spell that he chose to pick when he could have had so many other more amazing ones, he chose one that was funny and goofy instead. So he uh, was a gust he, of wind. It must have been. It wasn't. It was it was it was gas attack. Oh. It was gas attack. Yes. Which allowed him to basically do a gaseous form spell and turn uh you know, his enemy into a, a, a gas cloud, a fart. And uh, he didn't pick it because it was choice. powerful. He picked it because it was funny. And uh, <laughs> his master, Master Elmore, his uh, his mage teacher, did not approve. And so began calling him Fart from that day forward. So Fart is a misfit at their school, the Crackatop Academy for Heroes. He is the one chubby mage apprentice when all the rest are skinny and serious. He's goofy when all the rest are, you know, very left brain and and serious minded. And so mm. he's a bit of a misfit there. And um, his master's always trying to serious him up and uh, it doesn't work. So he feels a bit of fish out of water in this role as a mage apprentice. Uh, then he has um, a friend named Pan, Pan Silver Snow, who is an elven monk. And uh, mm. in my world, her monk powers uh, take a lot of inspiration from like Avatar The Last Airbender. She has the ability to manipulate the elements. So um, she can control fire and control, you know, not, not make them, but control and manipulate air and water and earth. And uh, so that is a very fun, I found that was a, a twist on the monk powers that gave me a whole new, very visceral way to approach her skill set that wasn't magic per se, but that was this cool elemental connection. Yeah. And then uh, he has another friend. Uh, it was very important to me that there be strong, amazing, powerful girl characters in this. And not just the girl character as the sidekick to the two boys, but dominant 
um, powerful, assertive, and really heroic girl characters who are much more the heroes and the protagonists in so many ways of the story than Fart himself, even though he gets his name in the credits, but um, <laughs> in the title. But then there's uh, his other friend, Moxie Battleborn, and she is a dwarven warrior. Uh, she is powerful with her mighty hammer. She is powerful with her enormous shield, but her most powerful skill of all is her immense knowledge of all things related to monsters that she gets from this book, this huge book that she carries with her everywhere called Buzzlock's Big Book of Beasts, Ooh. which is uh, basically her own personal monster manual. And so anytime they come in contact, it was a great way to not only make her have be a, a brainy warrior in a way, but also give me an on-road to introduce kids who might not be as familiar with fantasy tropes to give her a vehicle to explain what some of these monsters are and what some of the, so you'll see all throughout the illustrations there. She's constantly popping her book open to identify some of the beasts that come out. And there's these little excerpts from oh, that's great. Buzzlock's big book of beasts that kind of give these very brief, but very cool um, descriptions of some of the creatures that they come in contact with so that kids who don't know what an owlbear is uh, don't feel left out in the dust. They quickly catch on to the world. So that's such a great, uh, uh, mechanic to use in novel writing where it's like, oh, you need someone who can teach the other characters, but they're really teaching the audience, and uh, it's it works really well. I also like how you just kind of upset all of the tropes uh, involved with, you know, YA fiction, but also D&D. You know, having a brainy warrior, yeah. uh, you know, a dwarf woman uh, girl do it as well. Like, yeah. I, I love all of that. Yeah. It's super fun, and, and it's it gave me a really diverse set of characters. You know, early on in the book, I won't spoil too much, but early on in the book, they um, when they leave school, their their last year of schooling at Krakentop Academy for Heroes is basically an internship. They go out and do what's called a hero wilderness training, where mm -hmm. is their masters go with them, and the three of them, plus their three masters, go out to take on quests and do heroic deeds. And uh, very early in their hero wilderness training, they're... Um, their masters get obliterated in a goblin attack going horribly wrong. And they have to decide, do we go back to school or do we try this hero thing on our own? Is, is it possible that experience is the best teacher? Um, and so they go forward and they're very all very different from each other. So that creates lots of possible conflict, but also creates lots of possible possibilities for personal growth and teamwork and, creative problem solving and all kinds of stuff like that which they have to do those middle grades too it's all about uh finding new boundaries right like i think i, I don't know i don't want to relate everything back to my own experience but <laughs> my daughters right now are biking on their own in the neighborhood yeah. uh, and I'm that's a little so bit, 1980s i love it it is very 80s yes <laughs> yeah uh, you know, they've got friends and stuff. vibe going yeah. on. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, man, this sounds like a, what a great learning tool to be like, look, you can go out on your own. You know, there's there's danger, but you have to know about that danger and how to avoid it. And that's really important. And it's one of those kind of, you know, passive things that you learn by playing D&D as a kid. Yep. Was that true when you jumped into it in, in the summer of 1981? You know, was, was, was that the, the kind of the appeal? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was... So like like in your in your daughter's situation, you know, they're out and they, um, you know, something goofy happens. One of them falls off their bike or one of them, you know, you know, hits a squirrel or what. 
how 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 quick are they going to be to run back and tell dad or to solve this for themselves at that yeah. age they're not going to want to run it back and tell dad they're going to want to solve it so that was a lot of appeal that i had been a little bit into fantasy in fifth grade but but i was i remember very clearly i was over at my best friend andy cook's house the very beginning of the summer of of 81 and uh we were just gotten on summer break we we were sitting at his house playing atari and uh, his brother, his seventh grade, eighth grade brother came in and said, hey, dorks, I have a game. I need more players. Come on. And uh, we're like, OK, because, you know, when you're a fifth grader, you do what the eighth grader says. And um, we went in there and I was expecting like Monopoly or something. And he sits us down and we make these characters and he starts leading us through this dungeon that I later discovered was the keep on the borderlands, the caves of chaos. Mm. And uh and I had never experienced anything like this before. It was absolutely mind-opening to me. Um, here was a game that we, we were inventing the story as we went. Like I, I had never heard of such a thing existing, and there was, and it was fantastical and exciting, and and you could die. Like there was, <laughs> there was monsters, and it was heroic but goofy and funny. And and I remember our first encounter with a monster. He he told us, you know, you walk in and you see twelve kobolds, and I'm like, oh, what's a kobold? <laughs> so, like, I, I had no idea, but I mean, it was just amazing to me. And um. I think really discovering that game was an absolutely instrumental moment in my own creative development life. I don't, I, I don't think I would have become an author if it wasn't mm. for d and That game unlocked a thing in me that said, you have stories to tell and there are stories in you and you have ideas that are worthy and worth getting out there. And, um, that big imagination that you have, which all your teachers say, would you quit being such a spaz? Would you bit, <laughs> settle down? Would you quit fidgeting? Would you, um, that big imagination has a lot of bonuses and good points to it as well. And I hadn't realized that at that point, I really thought my imagination was just this thing that got me into trouble a lot. So it was, it was critical yeah. eye-opening uh, and and D&D was, I think, just formative, uh, creative boot camp for my young life that led me down the creative path in life. That's great. Yeah, it feels like there's like a, you know, the, the, all kids play pretend, right? And make up stories and right. play with dolls and, and, and stuffed animals and other, you know, and army guys and things like that, right? Sure. Um, but, the, but what D&D does is it takes that and it makes it codified, right? So it's not just you know, you and your friends goofing around, oh, I want my idea to be the one, or oh, no, my idea is the thing that's going to, you know, it's the Dungeon Master's idea, and you can add things to it, mm. but there is like a, a framework, and I think that is such a, a, a freeing jumping off point for so many of the creative folks that we talk about, uh, talk to on this podcast, because you're right, it, you know, everybody has that, ex- that pretending experience, <clears throat> but nobody has that experience of taking that pretend and putting it down on paper, like, you know, taking the notes in the right way or even just making marks on your, on your character sheet. And yeah. that's the, that's the experience that is a writer, right? Like where you're like, I have these ideas and I'm talking about them, but making them palatable for an audience, even if the audience is just the, you know, three or four people around the table, that is writing, right? That is, 
something that you you don't get to do uh, with with any other uh, you know game or, or pastime out there. And that was so formative for so many people. It's amazing. Yeah, I agree. DMing in, in particular, I, mm. I didn't come into DMing until maybe ninth grade was, uh, and it really came out of nobody knows how to DM. Well, I played and I, all I do is read these books in my free time. I could quote scripture and verse to you on them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll DM. And, uh, Guy Gax 317. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. PHP, baby. And uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> It, it was, um, you know, exactly right. What you said, this idea of I have to, I'm creating a world, but it has to be understandable through my audience. It has to, it can't just exist in my brain. They have to be able to process it, assimilate it, make sense of it, respond to it, have an emotional response to it. Um, yeah. DMing was all that, which, which is what writing is. Yeah. Very cool. So that to going back to that 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 day at Andy Cook's house, yeah. when you so what was the character creation process like? You actually rolled up a character from scratch at that that moment. I right did. There? I rolled up the character, my very first D and D character. I still have the uh, the character sheet somewhere in oh, wow. this mess. Uh, it was Gryden the Rebel. He was my human warrior, or not not warrior back then, fighter. Um, he was my human fighter and, uh, and we rolled the dice and rolled up our abilities and he just, uh, gave us some gold pieces and took us shopping at, at the keep and we bought, so I'm like, you're giving me money and I can buy swords with it. What? I mean, <laughs> it was just amazing. And, uh, you know, very quickly we were, we were in a dungeon. I remember that first session we were. We were in a dungeon. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but it was, it was, yeah, we just rolled up characters right then and there. And um, I think even now as I, I DM, I've DM'd ever since ninth grade, I DM a group now every Monday night we play. And, um, and I had to take a break, you know, after, you know, you get to college and okay, you still have time to play a little bit and your friends, but then you hit your twenties. I don't know if this was your experience guys, but I, you know, life happens and you're trying to build a career and you're trying to, um, you're, you're, though you guys like your job is D and D. What? Why did no, why did my high school guidance counselor not tell me I could go work at TSR? It's an actual the job. What? I, I had no idea in high school. Oh, and, uh, so life gets away from you and you don't have as much time for your hobbies and things like that. So you know, there was this hiatus of about 20 years, but a few years ago, um, I started to get back into, you know, fifth edition. I'm like, wow, people are playing D&D again. This is amazing. And it's not like impossible to find people to play. Like everybody plays and uh, like girls play. Like what? <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. We couldn't find it. We would have given anything to have a girl sitting at our table and uh, to have, you know, now I, I, I play on Monday nights and four out of my five players are these incredible women. Um, man, you would, you, you wouldn't be able to, slap my fifth grade self and tell him that this would be the future. He wouldn't believe it. Um, so I, I, when I was discovering the fifth edition rules, even then I, I found, you know, again, it's this beautiful game that you get to um, modify and adjust as fits your table. And I found several things that I found myself comparing, of course, as you're going to do to the last time I DM, which was first edition and going, mm -hmm. 
I think this is better. I'm gonna um in my group we're gonna play these first edition this rule first edition and but these things I love these skills and we're gonna do those fifth mm-hmm. edition and so you get this wonderful you know homebrew which people are doing all over which is this this thing that works great for your table and your DMing style and makes the game as exciting as possible for the player sitting in front of you. And that's the goal ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I think what going back a little to what you were talking about, both you and Greg, about how that unlocking the imagination with D and D and one of the things that I I love also about D and D is that it's it does in addition to sparking that imagination, it also gives players and fans a a lot of avenues to explore outside of just rolling dice, which we all love to do anyway. But like there's the books that are associated with it. Or maybe it's you want to just write. Maybe you just want to create your own worlds and create your own characters and write backstories for them and, and never touch the tabletop. Or maybe it goes off to the comic books and you want to inspire uh, a love for writing and reading and that or just a love of reading. Like all of that is just so just powerful that from that one moment when you, you know, start your very first campaign, which is one of all to say that one of the things that I love about FartQuest is that that is one of the avenues that I find kids, especially my own son, who's been exposed to D&D from a very young age, um, totally gravitated to it. And he's he's a struggling reader. I don't want him to hear that. Um, <laughs> and uh, what I have found and that a lot of parents and teachers with reluctant readers is... It's not so much that they don't know the words. It's the material before them is not that interesting. And what we have discovered is that ArtQuest, a book that I would normally, you know, before bed, lay down next to him and read to him, he grabs out of my hands and he's like, I want to read it. And he does. And that's amazing to me because... Just as D&D on, at Andy Cook's house sp- opened your imagination and your love for all of these reading and writing, your book has essentially done that for my own kid. Mm. And he's now like, we were, this morning we were reading Dogman. That's another favorite because there's mm-hmm. a lot of poop, poop humor yeah, in there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, cracked up this morning reading the word diarrhea together. Um, but <laughs> which is such a great vocabulary it, word, and it's a hard me? book. It's, it's a, so hard I, to spell, and exactly. it's, it's such a great vocabulary word. I told him, I'm like, you know, I still can't spell diarrhea. Can never have gotten that <laughs> word right. Five dollar word? Are you kidding me? And I will say, <laughs> big, big sense of pride when he looked at it and and knew it. He read yeah, it himself, yes. but. He's not like he, because he got so excited by the fact that he could read Fart Quest, and he was like, "That's a big book. Like this mm-hmm. is a hardcover book, and there's yep. not pictures on every page, and I can read it." Yep. He's now, you know, what he's picking up more books and and actually challenging himself in that regard. So that's so great. So thank you for that. Well, I am thrilled to hear that. You're, you're hitting all my hot buttons right now, which is, <laughs> I, I, I don't feel that he probably is a struggling reader. I, I, I think it has everything to do, reading and, and passion are tied together innately. And yeah. there are, and I'm going to just ask forgiveness for anyone who's listening who is in this camp, but I'm going to also ask them to open their minds a little bit and say there's a lot of well-meaning grown-ups, teachers, parents, educators across the gambit who have this idea in their head of what good reading looks like. Yeah. And 
you will, most kids start out loving books. Right. I don't know many many young kids, kindergarten or first grade, who is like, no, I hate books. Books are terrible. Most kids love books, but then something happens where the book they're excited about, this book that has diarrhea in it, this book <laughs> that has farts in it, some well-meaning grown-up tells them, now, go get a real book from the library. Go get a book that basically saying that book you like, that one, that book in your hand that you're excited about, that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. that's not a real book. So that. go get a real book. And what you basically told that kid is, oh, well, this adult in my life, this teacher, this parent, this whoever says the books I like aren't real books. Right. So I guess I don't like books. Yep. And my interests boom. aren't real interests. No, they don't count. And uh, it kills me when that happens early too. It's like, you know, you're telling <gasps> them that first grade, kindergarten, they're going to hold on to that. Like that's yeah. the only experience they have with books. And then that's, you know, like, and I've, I've seen that in my own life where people are like, they're reading graphic novels or things like yes. that. And yes. A friend yes. be like, well, you know, we allow them to do that reluctantly. And I'm like, yeah. what, what do you shut up? And they're excusing. Like, they're making excuses. That out loud. I know. They're like making excuses. Like, well, we think it's okay because it gets them to read at least. I'm like, don't apologize for letting your kids read a graphic novel. Graphic novels, yes. I'll have you know, are uh, you can read all the studies, have a much higher level of vocabulary than chapter books written for the same age level. Yeah. They are they simulate reading muscles and, and uh, critical thinking muscles that are much better than just words on the page. it's it's so i I don't adults be the one in your kid's life whether you're you're a teacher you're a parent be the one in your kid's life who sees what they read and puts the next one like that in their hands and says i validate what you're reading i'm thrilled that you love this book here's another one just like it because what you'll do is you'll create a kid who loves books and who loves reading and, exactly. and if you have a kid who doesn't, they don't like reading, but they love Minecraft, then give them Minecraft book. Yes. Like just, there's, there is a, a book out there that, that will interest any kid. You will find something. And I sure. will highly recommend Fart Quest as well because who doesn't love farts? <laughs> Follow the passion. When I, when I, uh, <laughs> when I, I was begging my parents for this monster manual, the Christmas of my, of my, of my fifth grade year. I, it's, because I was excited about the game. I wanted to have these books. I wanted I spent yeah. all my time sitting around reading those books. Those I know books one are full can, of five dollar words. Like they are amazing. Are you, Manticore? are you joking me right now? <laughs> Hippogriphonious. <laughs> but no one had to no one had to talk to me. No one had to tell me, well, I guess you have an interest in nonfiction, don't you? No, I don't know. I, I love these monsters and I want to read everything there is to know about them. So, yeah. sorry, can you get me worked up uh, with that topic? I'm <laughs> well, very passionate I mean, about We're passionate about that too. So, yeah, it's, um, it's huge. Graphic novels count, people. D&D absolutely. Count. Comic books, books and count. And comics and diarrhea and all that stuff counts. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the, the funny stuff. thing is, I'm still going to go on this for a second because I have a, yep. another personal example where my, my daughter was reading the graphic novels for around uh, Wings of Fire, which is a, yeah. a popular dragon uh, yeah. series right now. And she read the graphic novels before the, the, the actual novels. And we were like, yeah, these are great. Why not go ahead and do it? And you know, she was studiously reading them, and then she heard about the other versions from her friends, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, there's a little bit more details in those. You might want to check those out too." So she's reading those now too, and so there is a natural progression from, you know, even if you believe the thing that they're not real books, there is a progression from from that to to getting more detail because they want it because yeah. that will happen anyway. 
And my daughter's the one who's always sitting, you know, perhaps a little bit to the detriment of being like sitting reading uh, while people are, you know, ha- hanging out or doing things like that. And, my, and, you know, peers will be like, well, how did you get your, your daughter to love reading so much? And we're like, we just, we let her read yeah. what she wanted. <laughs> yes. And yeah. that's the answer. It's not about this, uh, you know, weird, you must do what we want and read, you know, Dick Meets Jane at the Hill books that are out there. Like, have them read the stuff that they're passionate about, yeah. like yep. D&D books. And that's why I think young adult uh, stuff like what, you, what, what you're writing, as well as the um, Young Adventurer series uh, uh, for, for Dungeons & Dragons that gets into some of like the... I love that it's just the idea of D&D manuals that you loved as a kid that are written with a younger reader in mind, right? Have you seen those uh, from Jim Zub and Stacey I, King? I have, yeah, yeah. They're glorious. They're glorious. That's, yeah. you're absolutely right. It, it's, our goal isn't to read, is our goal isn't to raise up kids that read only Hemingway. Our goal is <laughs> to raise up kids that love reading. And you get a kid to love reading and the rest takes care of itself. They do better in math. They do better in, in spelling. They do better across the board if they just love books. Especially with D and D players, because they're learning those arithmetic skills. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're learning uh, yep. so many other soft skills involved as well. It's so funny. I, my agent that I mentioned earlier, uh, who was sitting in that meeting, going, "What are yeah. you guys talking about?" Um, we hooked her, and she's now part of my D and D campaign. No she's way. First time player, um, and we tease her mercilessly because the rest of us have all played D and D at one point or another in our lives. And so when she rolls, she's like, "Why do I need like?" a PhD in algebra to figure out how many hit points of damage I do. And the rest of us are just like right there. We know how to calculate roles on the fly. Nothing against her. She's a brilliant agent, but she doesn't have that, that experience of rolling dice and adding up those numbers quickly in your head. Plus bonuses, plus this, plus I got proficiency plus boom, gives me this number. That's a, you know, I'm not there yet. That's a life skill. (laughs) Are you one of those people that rolls your um, rolls to hit and your damage at the same time? Like just, I'm not. Oh, that was so impressive when I would see people like, like you're that confident you're going to hit yeah. that you're just going to roll that damage <laughs> dice along with it. And they're just like, bam, 17, 8, 18 points of damage. I'm like, how, how, how do you know that? No, I, I like combat that moves, but I also like like the uh, the humiliation of defeat if they, uh, <laughs> if they don't get a good roll. I don't want them to think, oh, they got those good points. I want to have a second to... Yeah. The time that they rolled damage, I I could have uh I could have humiliated them for a moment. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of dungeon master you are. No, humiliate I'm not. your I'm players. Kidding. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> but you know, that flavor stuff. I mean, if you roll a two, you are gonna slip and almost kill yourself on your sword. It's just gonna happen. You know, that's not I didn't invent these rules. That's just, you know, that's just the way it is. That's called flavor, people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, what's the what's the storyline for this uh, campaign that you're running uh, currently on Monday nights? We're a little uh, whole world. Um, we're we're um, we're kind of. I I like a campaign that's got a little bit of everything. Like, I love the usability of five E campaign books. Like back in my day, back in first edition, it was you would get a standalone adventure that was a module, and then, and then if they if they level one to level two through that, then you do a whole another adventure. I love the usability of like um, like Salt Marsh or or uh, you know one of the the big books where you're you're basically in this world from level one to level twelve. Like that is so accessible for a new DM, I think, to be like, mm. where do I start? How do I take my players through a world? What does that look like? Here, here's your whole campaign right in a book. It's amazing. 
I like a little more um, flavor variants. You know, I don't necessarily want to do a whole campaign level one to 12 around undead or vampires or things like that. Um, so I like, I like stealing bits and pieces, uh, which mm. I find suits me best. So um, Ghosts of Salt Marsh, I'm using actually a piece of that, the adventure we're running right now. They are traveling um, from this mountainside keep uh to uh they've met this witch that is sending them on this adventure to uh this long abandoned centuries old abandoned elven school of magic but it's like halfway across the world and so we talk about i'm very collaborative with my players so we talked about it and said if you had a choice would you a travel in real time to that far off place and have lots of cool adventures along the way and explore and gain a level or two on the way so that you might be really ready for whatever's waiting in those depths or b would you stumble upon a griffin or a portal that would take you there very quickly um asking for a friend you know i don't i'm <laughs> just wondering so fill out this survey because I realized I can decide and then they could all hate my decision. You know, I want everyone to have fun. Yeah. So um, they, like me, think the journey is is the destination. So they they were all in for that. So so I, I'm, I've got pieces of my own homebrewed world mixed with this sea adventure that's coming from Ghosts of Salt Marsh that's combined with this old school um, dungeon crawl that was in the pages of Dragon Magazine in the March of 1985 issue. Oh my God. Which wow. sits on my shelf right now. Um, so I love doing that, bringing in some of this old esoteric stuff out of Dragon Magazine back from the 80s or, you know, leading them through pieces of Keep on the Borderlands or some of this old stuff because nobody knows it now. So um, it's, it's pretty easy to 5e it and 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 throw it at the characters and have fun with it. So nice. Well, that sounds like a super fun. I love that there's this collaboration too of like, what do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I had something like that similar where I was running uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist because mm-hmm. I love the city intrigue. Yeah, and there's a lot of new players, and they were like, "Are we going to go into a dungeon ever?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, well, that's not really." <laughs> what this is uh, right. are, you know, thing. So I eventually was like, let me just scrap that, and and we'll just go into a, a let's bash undead uh, and explore a wide open continent uh, type of uh, type of thing. So yeah, you just got to listen. Yeah, and I think that's a really important skill for for dungeon masters to 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 figure out, right? Yeah, I mean, and I, I I'm pretty transparent about it. I mean, I do a lot of I let them know up front, I'm big on communication. So I, I want to know, yeah. like after about every two levels, I kind of initiate a little dialogue over email with them and say, tell me three things that you would love to see more of that that I've thrown at you. Tell me two things that you hated and never want to see again. Um, because I want to I want to cater adventure. I can have fun no matter what. So I want to cater adventures to, I want to follow the passion. I want to cater adventures to, to me, that's my life mantra follow the passion and you can't go wrong follow your bliss man yeah Yeah, that's the way to do it you're a good dungeon master (laughs) so um do you know i'm sure you know this but um if you if our D &D players pick up a copy of fart quest the illustrations might be a little familiar do you know our cam kendall connection I know, yes, I do. I know that he does illustrations for Monster Mayhem cards. Yes, yes, he did the I Monster did Madness that. expansion for Dungeon Madness. Mayhem. Yeah. Yes, that's right, Dungeon oh, Mayhem. Oh, I love him. That was another thing that I was... You know what? 
that may have been how I heard about FartQuest. Now that's coming really? to me. I think because I, I follow him on Twitter and I think he may have shared something about FartQuest. Okay. That might have been it. Yeah. Oh, he was such a find. We agonized over who to illustrate this and and uh you know i don't have all the say it's usually the publisher that makes the decision but again connie is incredibly collaborative and she she wanted me to be thrilled with whoever we landed with and we looked at so much art but his stuff is so quirky and so oh, funny so and, and you see it on the page and you know this guy gets it he gets he gets fantasy he gets game playing but he gets humor and and that's the critical thing is some of his illustrations take the humor because at its heart this is a it's an epic fantasy adventure but it's an epic fantasy comedy let's be honest and some of the things he puts into the illustrations that take the joke so much further are so funny um yeah he's 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 a dream to get him for this book yeah yeah he's great to work with we love him yeah I'm seeing the connection now, like with the the way the covers are. I'm like, oh yeah, that does. Yeah, it's like the dungeon mayhem, yeah. the monster mayhem. Uh, Even down right. to uh, you know when it was time to do our uh, our bio art, and you know most novels don't have um, bio art, but he was like, he said, I'm going to do bio images for us. Tell me what class and what race you want for your bio. <laughs> so I'm like dwarven ranger, Aww. obviously. So he did me as a dwarven ranger, and then he nice. did himself as a uh, a gnome bard. Uh, and uh it's just you know it's so it's just so funny he's just so funny and 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 some of his brilliance in terms of if i can find a page here just to show everyone the brilliance of because he doesn't just illustrate um the the book you know with spot illustrations he creates these spreads that are absolutely like whole page find the one I'm looking for. Almost making it like a graphic novel in that way. Yeah, I mean, like like this this one here is, oh, here's the yeah. page. Yeah. So they're in this dungeon. They come across this tunnel with this snake sculpture that's mounted over it um, that they have to decide if they're going to walk through. And so he doesn't just draw a little thing. I mean, early on, he was very about, I want to encompass the entire spread. I want to play with the page turns. I want to I want to be able to mess around with this kind of um, these kind of art scenes, as well as these smaller, you know, little spot illustrations. And so it's just, yeah. it's such an experience just to read it because those page turns are just magical. And that's the thing that really lights up the imagination for for younger kids too, because they can, you know, yeah. they're not as well-equipped as as adults are to be like, what does a snake statue look like? You know, like, so, but then having that just one key moment, they can imagine the rest of it around uh, yeah. them. And that is a skill that, you know, the type of writing that D&D stuff has as well as the graphic novels that people uh, jump into at that age, um, you know, really does uh, ramp it up there. All right, I want to ask you a question because I see here you have uh, your favorite monster Mm -hmm. is an Umber Hulk. Yeah. Why why is your Umber Hulk your favorite monster? (laughs) He was one of those monsters back in the day that you never encountered. (laughs) <laughs> no, nobody ever puts an umber hulk in the dungeon. Yeah, him and the, and the beholder. Obviously, it's a classic. And the bullet. Um, and I remember just spending just hours pouring through the oh, monster the manual. Um, the land yeah, shark. Yes, land shark. Yeah, 
Uh, and uh, I, I remember he's like, bullet, what are you talking about? Um, I know. I was like, Everybody says bullet? it differently. Everybody. Yes. I like and to I say boulet. Boulet. The French Elvish uh, inflection. Um, and so uh, I remember looking at this old old yeah. picture back in the Monster Manual and being like, oh, I want to run into one of those. And you never did. You never had one of those come through the wall. And um, and you never got like the coolest, like the magic item you would read, like the, you know, the portable hole and the, I'm like, why don't, why aren't these things ever in real Dungeons and Dragons? I never had a dungeon master who wanted to give us that stuff. So, um, yeah. See, Do you if they, your players now? Yeah. Yes. Like, if they had, if you had a dungeon master like you and who said, what three things do you want more of? You could have been like Umber Hulk. Rust monsters. Yes. yes. Are you kidding? Give me I, I played D anD D for for thirty years and never went, never encountered a rust monster. Do um, you ever put them in your game? Oh, we, it was in the dungeon just uh, just like you know a month ago. Yeah, we really? had a rust monster that destroyed really? the cleric's armor. Yes. Are you kidding oh. me? Yes. That's, That's great. the most dangerous. The most dangerous monster out there because it's like yes. my stuff. My yes. stuff is gone. Yes, Aww. it was great. That it magic was great. sword I had. Forever. I hope you find your Umber Hulk one day. <laughs> one day. Someday. One day. I hope so. My white um, I wanted to ask you about your <laughs> elementary school visits because I am guessing that's a really fun part of your job. But it is. what what are the hands on presentations you do? Um, I do so. I like to be interactive. So um, I think, you know, often a lot of authors do school visits where you go yeah. into elementary schools, you get invited to talk to the kids and, you know, do a PowerPoint or whatever. But I like to keep it pretty interactive. So um, so I'll, I'll incorporate a lot of audience participation, a lot of sound effects. Um, like I had fart this, noises? Well, I, don't, I haven't done that yet, but... Um, <laughs> I eat a bean casserole before each yeah, one yeah, of my presentations. Yeah. You, do have to, you do have to gauge it with your interactivity. Um, at what point can you just never come back from it, right? <laughs> like, like, and uh, when you unleash the farts, that's just at that point. Uh, you, you may never recover. You'll clear so, a room. Yeah, we're done. We're done now. Okay, that's you can only pull that out at the very end. Yeah, because we're done now. Teachers, they're yours. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Uh, <laughs> you're My welcome. work here is done. Yes. Um, so I remember back when uh, I had a mystery graphic novel called Joey Fly Private Eye, and I wanted to explain to them what a mystery was. So I came up with these five things that are part of every mystery. The five things started with the letters and the word mystery, so M-Y-S-T-E-R. And then um, and then I didn't want to just tell them about the items, so we actually had a – I put up a ticking clock on the screen, and they had we had 30 minutes to solve a mystery, find the five objects somewhere hidden in the room, and um, unpack them before the 30-minute time frame ran out or whatever. So I'm I'm bringing up kids out of the audience. I'm reading them a riddle about, you know, the, the hidden location. They're having to deduce it, to solve it. They go – they're running all over the room. The kids are watching them run, and, and they find the object or they don't and then they they bring it back and then with it is is an explanation about that that thing that's found in a mystery but also a clue to the next thing uh-huh. and so it's basically this you know turning what could be just a powerpoint of staying there talking to them while showing them pictures into this mm. interactive scavenger hunt that's we're having a blast but we're learning a whole bunch of cool stuff and hopefully getting inspired along the way so so dungeon gosh. mastery Right? <laughs> yes. Yes, wow. it is. You're right. It That's is. I love true. it. 
That's How true. fun would that be for for Fart Quest now? I know. I know. I haven't Send been since Fart Quest came out. I have. It's all been on Zoom, but this fall, baby, this fall, I'm back yeah. in schools. Right? It's all Here's coming together. <laughs> yes. wow. Here's all the items that you will encounter in Fart yes. Quest. Yes, exactly. And they can be smell. They can be you know tactile. Yes. Scratch and sniff. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> And speaking of which, you, uh, in addition to creating Theater of the Mind D&D, you also create uh, 3D terrain and use minis a lot. Is that true? I, you know, I'm a mixed bag on minis at the table. I, I like them for markers, but I'm, but I also really love theater of the mind. So I'm not, I'm not one that builds full blown, like here's your entire dungeon and dungeon mm. tiles i i have mad respect for those dms that do that but i'm like where do you find the time to run a game like that and build dungeon tiles and build all these every little detail so on the board back when we were playing at a table we would we will use miniatures and and terrain pieces it's kind of markers just placement markers to help us visualize what's going on but i lean heavily into theater of the mind having said that i love miniatures and I love dioramas, and I love fantasy and science fiction uh, things. And so, yeah, I'm pretty addicted as a side hobby to creating dioramas and painting them and um, doing a lot of fantasy themed. And I'll do science fiction and steampunk. And I think I've got one. Yeah, let me grab one real quick just to show you a little bit of the kind of thing I do. So this is one. Whoa. Wait, whoa. Hey. Wait, what? All right, so... Yeah, so we were thinking it was going to be uh, pretty lo-fi based on what you were saying. I was thinking like like shoebox. No, this is, yeah, this (laughs) is... foil. So this is uh, a dio that I I did. um, And I do a lot of scratch building, which is just building... Like, I don't use model kits per se. Like, all of this was just made from junk or... No. Or I 3D printed some of the stuff. And, like, the mini there, I 3D printed. 3D printed her and painted her, but you know, like the ladder, I made that from scratch from a bunch of assorted bits and bobs. And oh my wow. god, I know. So, For those of you not watching this live uh, uh, on YouTube, it is just like a, a, a clockwork steampunk laboratory. Uh, yeah, it's like a clock tower, room. and she's in there repairing it. And you can't even see the detail, but the detail of these minis that sculptors are doing for 3D printing now is incredible. She's she's literally holding her wrench, and she's got a, she's flashing a peace sign up top, and the oh, fingers nice. are like millimeter. I mean, they're so so tiny, and the stuff that you can print on a 3D printer now, it's on a resin printer. It's absolutely unbelievable. I think it's very funny that you're like, I just think it's funny. You're like, where do you find the time to do these complex things? And you whip that out and you're like, I did this from scratch. That that took me a year. If I had to produce that every week for a game, I would blow my brains out. So this is, I wanted to do Scooby-Doo as like a zombie hunters. Oh my God. It's got lights up. Oh all right, so it's the mystery machine. The mystery, with zombies so the mystery machine, all wrecked with the the mystery gang up top, um, and they're all decked out with guns and swords and chainsaws and stuff. And uh, there's a billboard behind them, and then in the foreground, there's all these glowing green zombies, very Scooby Doo esque, kind of coming for them. Yeah, jinky Scoob. So <laughs> this is something. Is this a scratch build? I've seen. A, a, a lot of people do a take on the Scooby-Doo characters yeah. as zombie hunters or post-apocalyptic. But right. 
Did you, what about this, the rest of it? This is um, most, I would say 80, 75% scratch built. So the mystery machine is uh, like a van model kit that I customized. Oh my God. The, um, the, the minis of the, of the Scooby gang are put out by a really great company called Bombshell Miniatures. Um, they do these little quirky uh, customizations on pop culture figures. So they had a Scooby group that was kind of decked out. Uh, the figures are all pulled from the game Zombicide. So I oh. pulled those out of the game and, and painted those. And then everything else is built from scratch. Um, wow. That is super cool. You really do have like a cool. theme painter's kind of aesthetic, right? Like it feels like you could be a, a, a set designer in yeah. real life. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think if I had to do that, then it might not be as fun. I don't know. I, I just, I just it, I love doing it. It's really, really fun. And uh, just a great, great way to connect that love of fantasy, that love of sci-fi into teeny tiny geeky things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things become less fun when they become your job. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, except I'm thrilled I get to write. And, except and writing. writing books. Except yeah. writing and except yeah. D&D. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk offline whether that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, well, I have one final question, but Shelly, did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there? I mean, just keep keep the fart quest coming. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> fart quest three comes out this fall, as you know. Fart quest one is out. Fart quest two is the barf of the bedazzler, where um, <laughs> Pan and Fart and Moxie go on an adventure to find a um, a rare and mysterious creature known as the bedazzler. Uh, and recover a valuable artifact from it. It's barf. And oh. uh, the ba- the bedazzler, let's see if I can find a good picture of it here. Um, the bedazzler is uh, an, a giant floating orb-shaped eyeball creature uh, <laughs> with a uh, several stalks that have gems growing out of its head. Um Similar to another D&D creature that you might uh, run into, mm. uh, except uh, without the copyright infringement. Uh, oh, so <laughs> yeah. It's got the gems on it, huh? My, yeah. It's totally deaf. I yeah. picture the bedazzler to be wearing like, a jean jacket that has lots of rhinestones <laughs> right. on the back. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of bedazzler. <laughs> so his gems are very bedazzly. His gems are very bedazzly. And uh, so, and then uh, this fall, um, Fart Quest Three comes out. The Dragon's Dookie. Oh my god! Yep, we got, <laughs> we got Dookie on deck, people. <laughs> we and got so the, farts, barf, and Dookie. So they got to go uh, and and retrieve a powerful magic item from a pile of dragon poop. Um, and then Fart Quest Four comes out next spring, uh, and it is called the Trolls Tochies. Oh my! Oh man! <laughs> You're welcome. Hitting wow. All of the bases. Yep. <laughs> and then some. <laughs> Running out of gross it. bodily functions. I know. I got to, we got to, if we go to book eight, nine, ten, then I'm going to be all, all out of gross bodily functions. No, you won't. <laughs> yeah, I feel we'll like, find them. Yeah, I feel we'll like Quinn them. could help you bring yeah, some. Yeah. Some, <laughs> some earwax monsters, yeah. perhaps. Boogers. Yeah. I mean, boogers are, how the, gross are boogers? Oh, boogers, yeah. 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 Uh, Eye boogers, right? For the bedazzler. Out of your nose. 
See, we got tons of ideas. So we're a potty award-winning uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah, That's I see what, that. Man, I know where to head. I know where to head when I need to brainstorm. <laughs> um, and I don't. We didn't tell you this, but um, you are. Our, this is our three hundredth episode. Ooh. So we thought very appropriate Cake. that as a potty award-winning podcast, mm-hmm. we would have the author of Fart Quest. Nice. Like, nice. how great is that? 300, nice. 300 Congrats, baby. Guys. Thanks. Congrats. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you ask your question, Greg? Oh, <laughs> I no. Like we got yeah. sidetracked. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did no, say I want for book three and four. We want yeah. you to. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll do this. Uh, what's what, your favorite spell here? We have it as Featherfall, so I want to know about that. But then also, where can people find out about uh uh, everything coming up, Aaron Reynolds. Uh, in, in addition to Far Quest, all the stuff where they can follow you on social media, that stuff. Yeah, they can go to my website. It's uh, Aaron Reynolds. It's a hyphen, Aaron Reynolds.com. They can follow me on all the all the social socials and and their links to all my books, and they can read about all the gross, you know, body functions that are plagued my own life, and you know, whatever. It's all there. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to falling, I guess, which is why Featherfall must be your favorite spell. Yeah, I, I just think it's so, uh, it's it's such, I like creative use, spells that give you a lot of range for creative use. Mm. Um, like my favorite level one spell combo right now is um, is Grease. Because you, you can you can throw, like I was in a group where the, the wizard... Um, where I, I was, I was casting Grease, and then one of the other casters, um, or he, no, Ranger, he would, he would always have fiery arrows at the ready, and so we would, we would, you know, we would, we called it the Flaming Pig, where we would, <laughs> you know, we'd say just say Flaming Pig, and then I use my action to cover, you know, the monsters with Grease, or to put a pool of Grease in, in, in front of the charging Minotaur, and then he'd ready a Flaming Arrow, and you know, just so. Um, so Featherfall, I think, is one of those spells that just have so much creative combat potential, if you really think about it. Um, so I think that's why it's one of my favorite spells. I agree. It sounds like Grease is one of your favorite spells, too. It uh, is pretty fun. Yeah. yeah it's got so much possibility. The the game that I'm running, uh, we've used, the, the magic user has uh, Grease, and he's like, how do you use this? I was like, well, I don't know. Try it out. And then the first time we did it, I think a player died. I think uh, Shay's <laughs> husband Bart he, was caught in the Grease fire. <laughs> And the cleric that didn't was save how him he in died. time. Um, and then uh, it was much more heroic when he heard told about it to that. You, Michelle, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I went down yeah. in a flame. That's not what he said. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I think I think we used it to very great effect uh, with killing uh, t- tons of undead. You know, because they could, yeah. could trap them. They trapped him in a house and then set grease with a thrown in torch. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is great. It's and now flammable. it's like his go-to. It's slippery. Yeah. It's gross. It's gooey. There's so many possibilities. Yeah. For grease. And that's one of those ones that's not written as doing fire damage when you light it on fire in fifth edition. But my holdover brain is like, yeah, of course it would do yeah, fire damage. If it's damage. grease, then you know, if it was non-flammable slippery substance, then that would be different. But it's grease. <laughs> yeah. Grease burns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a true thing. Yes. True awesome. Too. Well, uh, man, I'm really struggling not to end on a fart joke. <laughs> <laughs> blow, it up, blow it up. Don't, blow it up, Greg. Don't right. fight well, it. Let, let it. Let, let it out. Let your creative wind blow. <laughs> just follow. I, I don't hold breathe. it in. 
I just cast grease on my pants, so we should end end this interview right now. The one who denied it supplied it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on, Aaron, and and teaching the youth about uh, farting as well as uh, these amazing characters uh, that are going on this fart quest together. Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's fart with heart. Our pleasure. What an amazing author, creator, storyteller, farter, pooper. <laughs> we don't know that about him. We, we talked about a lot. We got to learn a lot, but we don't know. I'm inferring. Uh, but, you know, he does, uh, he does great stuff. And I love that he makes those uh, 3D dioramas. Like, that was, those were incredible. If you I, haven't, um, if you don't, if you only listen to this in audio form, you have to at least go check out uh, our YouTube playlist and watch this episode yeah, just, to see the amazingness, right? Yeah, that was that was truly uh, impressive. There, I love that finding out that your editor is also a D and D player. How cool is that? And yeah. without that connection, we wouldn't have this great uh, middle grade series. So. Again, highly encourage you all to check check out Fart Quest the series. If you have young people in your life that love D anD D or fantasy, or just seeing a group of misfits come together and and do some really cool things, the farts are secondary. <laughs> How dare you! They're it's an important bonus. part of our lives. The farts are the farts are a nice bonus. <laughs> and I don't say that about farts a lot. Yeah, you're usually a case. fart forwarder. Fart forward. <laughs> <laughs> we have a fart forward house. Uh, where we're <laughs> fart positive. Fart positive. <laughs> 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 well, we rec- recapped all of the fun stuff from Week of Legend Lore in the introduction to this, but it's worth checking out uh, the webpage for that on DungeonsAndDragons.com as well as uh, the product pages for Wild Beyond the Witchlight and Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, uh, and not to mention our uh, uh, French, Italian, German, and Spanish uh, core rulebooks coming out too. So worth checking out. Dark Alliance is on my radar for coming out in June 22nd. All that fun stuff you can learn about at DungeonsAndDragons.com and DarkAlliance.com. Go to those and learn everything. Absorb it. If you want to find out about me... I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter, uh, starting up the second season of Reengage very soon. So follow that on Reengage TNG about talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation's second season. Very cool. Shelly, what about you? I'm at Shelly Moo on um, Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow Two Old Moms on Instagram if you want more um, parenting humor kind of stuff. Any fart? Any fart talk on those? Oh, I do have fart talk on there. <laughs> Nice. I mean, that is part of parenting, right? A big part in our house. It's an important part of, of, of life, as they say. Um, can I tell you something, actually, sure. about farts in my house? Yeah. We were having a conversation with Quinn and uh, his buddy and his buddy's mom. And I, what, the conversation went to a place that like, could have been slightly awkward or, or even a little bit sad. So we kind of just paused. And it was like an awkwardly long pause. I didn't know if Quinn had picked up on any of this. Mm. And then all of a sudden, he just rips the biggest <laughs> part. I'm like, Quinn! And he's like, I'm sorry. It just got so quiet. It felt awkward. I felt like I just needed to break it up. 
like you got to admire like this like the awareness that that kid had that he was like this mood is getting sour. Right. I need to I need to lighten it up. So in that regard, I actually appreciated his well-timed toot. It was the most empathetic fart I had ever it really heard was. described. <laughs> <laughs> Even better if it could. I, I did this once, almost not on purpose, <laughs> uh, but I was in a booth. You know those diner booths that used to have the, like the leather, like yes. cushiony things. And I just like leaned over with it was with my buddy, so I didn't care. And I was like, Mer. and it ended up doing this like. <laughs> Like a uh, like a sound effect, like, <laughs> and he still talks about it to this day. <laughs> really? Uh, so the only thing that would make that story better if it was like a talking fart or like had had some kind of uh, like, did that just come out of you? How does that even work? <laughs> and then the conversation yeah. would have even talked, you know, more about that. Well, you have to work on that teaching your teaching your farts to talk like you know there's like a whole you can see strings of videos about goats that talk like humans yeah we need to have there probably is actually i'll google it after this it's not that that different than the the mute on the trumpet that uh you know charlie brown's parents talking uh kind of thing is right yes i'm gonna i'm gonna do i think we can do even a little bit better though. i'm gonna put a mute on my butt like that I'm down. I'm down. Uh, thanks to, uh, after that wonderful transition, thank you to Ryan Marth and Lisa Carr for putting Dragon Talk together. Couldn't do it without your farts. Uh, for many of those 300 episodes, in fact. Pretty much all of them, right? They're doing, doing it up. Uh, so that is amazing stuff. You should follow all their uh, work as much as you can. But now I think it's time to get to Drunky Two Shoes. All right, I'm and ready. What is happening? Uh, quick recap. There was a doppelganger that uh, uh, Drunky had thought was her brother Daryl. They got separated. The doppelganger uh, took its own life uh, with uh, something, some kind of poison. And very quickly, Samson, who is a Harper fighter, uh, suggested going to a, a cleric to talk, speak with dead. The cleric was right about to uh, do a um, service at uh, the chapel to Lothander. But she very quickly got the situation and cast Speak with Zed. You, uh, Drunkie, asked several questions. Uh, and none of them gave you too much information. But there was this thought of impending uh, takeover of, of the city, perhaps through the government. Yeah. And just as uh, the last kind of creepy sound emanated from the spirit. Uh, I was very cold in this vestibule after the Speak With Dead uh, uh, spell was cast. Um, It gets uh, a degree warmer, and then all of a sudden, (laughs) a pounding at the door uh, is is heard. Oh, yeah. Damn. And I think you were drawing weapons? We did. I pulled out my dagger. Samson did something. I asked the cleric if she knew who that was at the door, and, and she did not. She said no. All right. What do you do? There's a pounding. It's 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 the the thing. It's bending. The door is almost bending. The latch is uh, uh, holding steady right now, but it may not hold for much longer. Uh, can I pull that that the doppelganger's body away so that's kind of hidden away? So uh, they- yeah, you want to try and hide it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you, you you very quickly pick up the its feet and it's, it's it got this kind of disgusting. Um, you know, you ever like pick up a uh, 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 like a piece of fruit that you think is fine, but it's actually rotten a little bit. 
and it's smushy. That's what it feels like when you grab a hold of his legs and you kind of pull it. It's like this mushy kind of gross skin feeling um, with a firmness underneath it. Uh, And then it's it's hidden away. Um, I I ask the cleric, I whisper, ask who it is. Are you sure? I I don't want to. Oh, right. And did you want to intimidate? No, I don't want to. She helped me. Okay. Uh, She's like, "I, I, I don't want to get involved. Okay, you go back to your go, go, go. Just oh, leave. Okay. Thank you. And and she she goes uh, and and she leaves, and you can see her. She's very nervous. I, yeah, I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. Um, because drunky is drunky. She's just gonna go to the door. Okay. You're- and is there a way like a a peephole? Can I look out a window or something and see who it is? Yeah, there's there's a there's a window. You might be able to kind of crane your neck and look around. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm, so, um, so yeah, you're trying to do that. are you trying to stay hidden while you do that, or are you okay yes. with them seeing you? Okay. So roll me a stealth check. A stealth check. Yeah. So you're trying to like pull. A oh, curtain. I'm super stealthy. Sweet. Actually, as it turns out, uh, I literally rolled a one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but because I have a a oh no nope nope that was a seven not not a one my okay. god my eyes are so bad I got a twelve. A 12. All right. So, uh, you uh, see three creatures hooded um, and their hands that are going up. It doesn't, it almost looks like the hand, the fist that's pounding on it. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's uh, real. Like it's got like this kind of half formed uh, skeletal uh, gross skin on it. And they're banging at the door right now. Um, okay. Can I just, can I do like, can I attack? Can I use like burning hands or something and just burn that door down? Uh, you won't be able to burn the door down, but you can try to I'm open not, it and burn the door. I'm but not if we saying, do that, we need to roll initiative. Exactly. There's no way I can like sneak attack something. Um, you can fire a targeted spell out the window perhaps without them knowing. I, I'm just getting a sense that they're not good people. Oh, actually, no. I, I think I, you know, if you you did a good, a good enough stealth check, so yeah, you can try to do a burning hands out the window. It might not catch all of them, but you might be able to get some of them in a burning okay. hands if that's what you want to do. I'm gonna try. Okay. Uh, I have to roll dex, right? You do. The thirteen. Uh, three fails. Are you serious? Yeah. Roll me damage. Roll high. Oh, I just roll the damage. Okay. Adam, 18. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Uh, okay, Are you so, saying that like, oh, that's good? Or? No, that's good. There's a lot of that. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you uh, you kind of, okay, so let me narrate this a little bit. So you kind of peek out the window, and you're like, oh, my God, there's these creepy guys. They're banging the door, and again, it's it's really stressful. Uh, Samson's there with the sword, and he's like, what do we do? Uh, and then you should be like, and you cast burning hands out the window, and it's a cone, right? It's supposed to go out. Yeah. From a small point to a larger point, and you are able to get all three of them in this blast of fire, and they scream, ah! uh, and their flesh starts to melt. It's like the end of uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the and the uh, 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark, where their you know, almost uh, flesh feels like it's melting. And we'll pick it up next time. Ooh. As to what happens next. All right. Nice. We get to see Sorcerer Drunky. Yep. Yep. Impetuous, drunk. Impetuous. She doesn't. She just. She doesn't know what to do. I'm well, just I think tell you that. If, if you think there's creepy skeletal bone hand people, that's the thing to do. We're gonna burn them. 
Burn them! Burn it down! Well, happy 300th episode, Shelly. To you too. We happy anniversary, birthday, whatever it is. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.